0: Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app, which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already and that's not just because you can get Access to all 880 episodes of this show and very easily as well. But you can also watch live races, you can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now at the Racing app, it's your one stop shop, and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favorite daily racing podcast. <music> You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitstairs, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday, January the 2nd. My chipper tone belies the sheer grimness of what I can see outside my window, which is more rain. Yes, more rain to usher in 2024 and keeping our fingers crossed that we'll get some racing toward the end of the week because it is pretty sodden as we approach Sandown's big fixture on Saturday more of which later in the program that of course is a premier fixture not that many entries premier fixture yesterday at Cheltenham not that many runners though there were some good ones mainly from Ireland Bob Ollinger looked brilliant again in the rel keel hurdle learning rave reviews from the jockey who rode the second place horse and stump town enlivened by a headgear won one of the feature chases again reflections on that later in the program but in this uh, era of of tension in racing's corridors of power um it's chief A disruptor, he would, I'm sure, like to consider himself a positive disruptor, former chair of the British Horse Racing Board, Peter Saville, appears to have entered the fray again. And you'll remember, it was his initial paper that really set the ball rolling for what is now called premierisation, though there may be a gap between what he intended and what has been executed. He's back. He's back with more. And this time, it seems as though he is trying to push the interests of the sports uh, participants, the owners and particularly trainers, Lydia Hislop, um, writer and broadcaster, is with me this morning. Uh, Lydia, what are we gathering? Is going on behind the scenes?
1: Well, this has been chatted about for for some time, but it's been very hard to pin anyone down as, as to what exactly is happening. All that we do know is that there's been a couple of meetings, one in Midland, one in Newmarket. There has been a promise um, or a, a, a suggestion that uh, via Peter Savile's proposals, he can generate a, a great deal more of additional prize money um, for the sport. And, you know, who wouldn't wouldn't like that? Uh, as I understand it, there is a further meeting today and it seems to be trying to rally trainers, sort of Pied Piper fashion. And uh, presumably, and this is m- me surmising, that that might end up with some sort of collective action
0: mm, okay so can we confirm that uh, trainers have been uh, rallied by peter savile and indeed what might be the reaction of their their trade body the national trainers federation and the overarching body for all the sports participants the the thoroughbred group well you'll hear from their new chair um julian richmond watson now of course obe in the in the new year's honors in a in a few moments time but uh, stuart williams and emma Lavelle are both past presidents of the national trainers federation they both got their finger on the pulse uh, this is what they said to me when i asked them about plans being put forward by by peter savile stuart williams first
2: and i have been to a meeting that uh, peter organized um and I think he's had a few meetings. I'm not at liberty to say at the moment that uh, we were asked not to, to comment to the press. So I'd uh, like to respect those wishes and um, and not say anything right at this minute. But it might be interesting.
0: So Stuart Williams, one past president of the National Trainers Federation, confirming that there had been meetings with Peter Saville, but uh, there was an agreement not to disclose the contents of those meetings. Another past president of the NTF is Emma Lavelle. You'll be hearing from her later in the programme about Paisley Park and possibly her, her big runner Rasher counter this weekend at Sandown. I asked her whether she was aware of uh, Savile's plan and, and a possible big prize money boost to come of it and she uh, replied uh, like this. Um,
3: oh, look, we've all heard bits and pieces um, but what actually is going to happen, uh, I don't know. I don't know
0: okay well julian richmond watson is the chair of the thoroughbred group so if there is a better deal on the table perhaps for the participants of the sport in terms of uh, something contractual with the with the race courses is that something the thoroughbred group would would support julian what's your what's your take on what might be going on at the moment
4: well i think you're you're referring to peter savile's uh initiative and uh I don't find it acceptable. The thoroughbred the group d- debated it a few weeks ago, the board, and decided that uh, we couldn't support the idea. And so we are looking to find other ways of improving prize money without being divisive in the industry. I think it's incredibly important that we all work together in in, in racing. At this time, we have we have a levy reform, and. And, uh, and plenty of other challenges with Premier Racing coming along. So I think we're very keen to to work together and, and with the sport and, and not be divisive.
0: Um, t- just talking of Premier Racing, from, from your perspective, can you put any positive gloss on the start of Premier Racing?
4: I think it was always going to be a slow start. I think many of us felt that it was being rushed in too quickly. But it's there now. We've got to support it and and take it forward.
0: Hmm. And and do you still have optimism that that's possible under its current structure of 170 fixtures?
4: I think all of us have ideas on how we could improve it. And uh, the Thoroughbred Group will be coming forward with some of those ideas in the next few weeks.
0: All right. That was Julian Richmond-Watson, the chair now of the Thoroughbred Group. He was recently honoured for his services to... Uh, racing and racing's administration and to bloodstock and particularly through his tenure as, as chair of the thoroughbred breeders association so he's uh he's no greenhorn Julian richmond watson far from it what did that tell you about the likelihood of this getting off the ground whatever this is
1: i would imagine that that has probably pricked the balloon um can i just say how much i welcome Julian Richmond Watson being the the new chair of the thoroughbred group I think that will be of a great benefit to the thoroughbred group and to the concerns and cares and voice of horsemen um yeah I I think that undermines it don't you yeah
0: I suppose I suppose Peter Savile as I said in the introduction really uh, he's He's now got a little more time on his hands. He clearly wants to re-enter the fray, as we saw with his paper that prompted the premierization conversation in the first place. And I don't think he ever has minded being seen as a disruptor if he thinks it is moving the sport in a positive direction. And if he has to ruffle a few feathers to to get where he, he wants to get or get the sport a better deal, then he, I suppose, is in that slightly extramural position to be able to do that, rather than having to do it from inside the 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 walls of of racing's power base, such as it is.
1: Some irony to it, though, isn't it? I mean, because from from my perspective, what was the start of all the problems in racing? Well, to me, it was the loss of centralized control of the fixture list, and that was uh, something that happened whilst uh, Peter Saville was. Uh, chair of the of the bhb all of the woes i feel have flowed from there where individual interests of uh, various race courses or race courses groups have been placed ahead of um always having the collective uh concerns of the sport and its long-term future in mind there was a very interesting intervention um on the racing post in New Year from Joe Soma Smith, the chair of the British Horse Racing Authority, who talked about how he urged people within the industry to have a concern for the long-term interest of the sport and the greater good, rather than their profits and loss sheets for, for the the year and their own personal bonuses. Um, so I, I, I've gone slightly off topic there, but um, I, I do think that uh, the, the, the problem was that, that lack of, of centralised control. Now, Peter Saville has come back in with some ideas, as you say. Um, his thoughts about premierisation um, coincided with when the industry was deciding it needed a strategy. Hollow after, and um, much some some of the things that he suggested um, formed part of of what has come out. Whether they that that would have happened anyway? I mean, you, you don't have a monopoly on ideas, do you? Um, who's to say? Um, I know here that if you think back to when there's a there's a history, a recent history, Peter Savile was the first of them, but after that we also had Steve Harmon and Nick Russ to some degree, um, t- sort of talismatic uh, big characters in the dressing room of horse racing that trainers have been rallied behind via promises of extra prize money. and. Uh, I, and why why wouldn't they? They're looking at their businesses and they're thinking, you know, this is tough. This is difficult. I see all this money coming into the sport. I see how important it is to bookmakers. I see how important it is to race courses. I see race courses putting on all of these fixtures. But I don't see the money coming to me and my staff, my team uh, in the same kind of way. And it, things are difficult. So if somebody comes along and says, I can bring you pr- more prize money, n- 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 there's it's, it's it's not surprising, is it? That they'll they'll follow that person down the road, you know, like the Pied Piper. H- however, is, he uh, has... can I just
0: stop you? Is is talismanic a cross between talismanic and charismatic? Is did it... I say
1: did I say <laughs> talismanic? Then <Is> yes, it... <laughs> I like that neologism. That that will that will do. Will it but... will it
0: will it make it into the into the uh, Collins Dictionary next year, like Riz did last year?
1: I don't think Susie Dent will 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 let that one pass. I do think, you think Peter think Saville has... A
0: has Peter Saville got Riz?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he has. I mean, I don't know him that well. But yeah, I think he probably has got Riz if we're, if we're thinking, as uh, as I understand it, that Riz is a street form of charisma. Yeah, I think he has. But my point is that, you know, trainers, trainers being offered more prize money, do they like that? Of course they do. Is there is there any uh, uh, is it is it based on sad reasoning? Well, we don't know because we we don't know what what the proposals are. Is the timing good? Is it constructive? Well, Julian Richard Watson has clearly intervened and said that he doesn't think that the timing is good. He doesn't think it's constructive. It's the wrong moment, the wrong time, and the wrong method. I know that the Thoroughbred Group has been acting to try and agree commercial partnerships with racecourses about their contribution to prize money for some time now. Those conversations have been going on behind closed door doors but I but they've been talked about regularly for example the um chief executive of yeah. the national trainers Federation Paul Johnson has talked regularly to trainers about that these these conversations are being uh, being had that some race courses are are sharing their numbers and that slow steady progress is being made but the problem is that those kind of conversations are going on behind behind closed doors necessarily uh, because that's what you know you you ask your organizations to to do and so therefore you can it it can be vulnerable to people thinking that nothing is happening
0: the one just to conclude this i i was wondering when i first heard that peter savile was entering the fray again with a, a a shiny idea that might get i don't know 20 30 million quid for for the industry and and particularly enterprise money i i wondered whether it was you know there'd be a big private finance initiative or something from outside what currently exists in racing but evidently from what i can gather that's not the case, and it is more about a more a redistributive uh, issue regarding what, what is what is currently there. Well, I thought one of the more interesting contributions to what we've been talking about a lot on this podcast recently, and my apologies if it's too much, but uh, Nick Alexander is a, a very successful trainer uh, in Scotland with a 50-horse stable that is going well at the moment, 31% strike rate over the Christmas period, a higher strike rate this season for a long time, and Ticking along very nicely numerically with the winners as well. Um, He said, I'm confused. Making entries for next week, it's clear that prize money for midweek jumps fixtures is being cut to the bone. It's being blamed on premierisation. Today we have the first premier fixture. This, of course, was a a posting on social media yesterday with 47 runners across seven races. That was Cheltenham. At the same time, Arena Racing Company who put up 285000 for a non-premier fixture on all the all-weather at Newcastle. Uh, and we're happy to put up 175000 for a new jumps fixture at Southall today. That, of course, didn't materialise, as you heard from Fakenham's chair Sam Bullard on the show yesterday, and he wasn't very happy. Yet we are expected to traipse around the country for poor reward all week, says Nick. In the background, we also have Newbury Racing, Deserting Racing TV, in which they were a shareholder for Sky Sports Racing amidst the clamour for Unity we have no uh, transparency um, which media model actually works better for racing in fact we have no transparency re-anything which is why I'm confused and frankly I think the participants that work so hard to put on the show deserve much better so please can our media colleagues uh, the Racing Post our representative bodies NTF News and Racehorse owners actually make this happen in 2024 Uh, well Nick Alexander I'm trying to do my best for you so I I want you to, to expand a little bit on what I thought was a really interesting contribution I mean what fundamentally moved you to say all of those things on new year's day
5: uh well literally making entries for sort of uh class 4 0 to 120 races that appear to be dropping in prize money and uh don't you know aren't offering the right type of reward to the sort of uh, if you like the second tier horses the horses rated 110 115 that's level 120
0: it might be worth dialing back a little bit, Nick, into your into your own business background before you became a trainer, and your experiences now looking at this industry relative to your experiences um out there, if you like.
5: Yes, um, I think that that that's my key frustration is not knowing how the financial dynamics actually work. And I think to to build proper trust, you need full transparency, which you know has been well talked about. and the, uh, the race courses say they can't divulge the details of their media contracts because uh, of confidentiality reasons, which I accept. But it's still just, it's still, I, I just, you know, at the end of the day, uh, ARC were happy to put up 175 grand for Southern on New Year's Day, and yet can only put up 55 grand at Newcastle on Saturday for a jumps fixture. Again, the bandings of the race at, races at South were a bit higher, but... Why does what what, what, it, what actually drives this? It's just I've I, you know, been in the game a long time, worked in lots of different committees, and been a director of Perth Racecourse for a long time, and I really don't understand how it works, and that's what I find frustrating. And what I think is wrong is that actually, as participants and the owners that invest so much in it, are sort of basically left in the dark as to how the effectively the largest income stream being uh, media rights and the money that the betting industry is putting in is being distributed. And that's, I mean, it's an old chestnut, but that's, it's not, it's not improving.
0: It's quite interesting, this. You were a director of Perth Racecourse for, for a long time. And Perth Racecourse, I'm guessing during that tenure, also made a, made a, a TV switch from, I think, from at the races to, to Racing UK, as it was then, didn't it? So are you saying as a director you didn't really have any, um understanding as to
5: i didn't really understand the the the, the media rights payments were very were, were, the structure of them is, is complex and i i don't yeah i mean it's a, <laughs> i didn't understand it very well but i don't think anyone in the room really did um uh, uh but you know the, the yes the money the money from that side kept going thankfully and it's and it, it's been a a blessing for, for, for a lot of the smaller courses. But um, I just, uh, my, my feeling is that the, 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 we need a more open conversation, which is, you know, as I said, it's, everyone's, everyone is saying this. So I'm not saying anything new. I was just a little bit frustrated yesterday when I could see prize money that I was entering for being reduced. And just some odd things going on. And as I, as I referred to Newbury jumping ship, you know, we haven't had the discussion. As there hasn't really been, as far as I'm aware, an open discussion analysis of which media model works better for racing. Because if a subscription model isn't working, as you know, several courses of you know it's been one-way traffic from racing TV to uh, Sky Sports in recent years, as far as I'm aware. If if it's not really work, if that doesn't really work, then. Maybe we need to look at the whole thing. There's there's a mismatch between the uh, volume of horses and the volume of fixtures. That that that's very obvious every every day. You open the, the paper, and I think that's pretty much applicable at, at most levels, apart from at the very bottom level. I think part of the 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 and again, I don't have a particularly deep understanding of it, but the having the way that it's the. Race courses are remunerated so much around field sizes this means they are financially uh, you know the financial motivation for them to stage more and more class five races over jumps is 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 obvious and that means they're taking away opportunities from for north 110 north 120 north 130 races and turning that uh, and you know because just because of the financial sense it makes to them and <clears throat> I think that's probably where where it's where there's a flaw is just the the
0: obsession with field sizes um, above everything. That was Trader Nick Alexander. What, what you're building up really, Lydia, is a picture of quite a lot of people broadly supportive of the idea of burnishing your bigger fixtures and, of course, supplying them with more prize money. But the cost at which this has come, I wonder, either has come as a surprise to people or uh, has suddenly become unpalatable to them and that I think is where the sort of key area of disgruntlement seems to be rather than necessarily some of the more I don't want to call it fluffy stuff but some of the more public facing stuff.
1: I think the fundamental issue about funding in racing is that so many of the participants and I'm not being rude about this because it is a very complicated landscape and uh, a lot large parts of it are opaque but uh, don't understand the funding model. And I think uh, that is because, A, it is complicated and, and difficult to understand in many kind, kinds of ways. Um, and t- B, uh, and Julie Harrington made a point about this in her Jim crack speech at York last, last month, um, there has to be a greater amount of trust because there is some opacity in terms of whether option A or option B is better. Um, Nick mentioned there uh, Newbury switching from uh, Racing TV to uh, at the races, sorry Sky Sports Racing, um, and him as a trainer not understanding what each of those models deliver for Mm -hmm. racing. And that is one example. And the other example, example, of course, are race courses, prize money structure. I'm not saying all race courses, as, as we've already discussed. Um, the thoroughbred group have said that some race courses have very much opened their books to them and been open and tried to come to a, an agreement about prize money. That doesn't apply to all race courses, um, hopefully yet. Um, but that's another area of opacity. So there's there's a lack of understanding and therefore there is a lack of trust and that is the problem then when you look at the race meetings or the races that you might run your horse in and you think, well, that's a lot less than I was expecting to be running for.
0: And of course, all that reckons without what else is on the horizon, which is the first Sunday evening slash night fixture on, uh, on the weekend at Wolverhampton. Big prize money, because, of course, in order to get this through the door, big prize money had to be offered. This is a, apparently an experimental period, according to the BHA. Um, and Stuart Williams had some strong views about this uh, before its inception, and uh, doubtless uh, may have some now, though I do note, Stuart, that you have runners, and the prize money is good, and the entry is very, very strong. So it's working, isn't it, as a concept?
2: Yeah, there will be uh, big fields and competitive racing for good prize money. Um, Whether it should be on a Sunday night is a moot point. Um, I'm fairly convinced that the racecourses in question won't want any crowds there and it's not particularly um, uh, encouraging um, people to come into racing to to work seven days a week again all right they're saying they're going to give them extra payments so they could have a day off but you know we're we're struggling in a marketplace to um compete for the youngsters coming out of these schools now and you know r- racing's struggling in that respect
0: so really you like the concept uh, of high value races producing competitive fields but not the motivation behind it which is to get people to bet on a sunday evening however if people betting on a sunday evening which is a window that's been identified by the industry as something that's going to generate lots of uh, lots of money for the sport um is is successful will that not counteract your concerns well
2: yeah it does i mean like, like i said we've got we've got three or four entries on sunday night because the I'm doing the best for my owners, and if the prize money's there, we're going to have to turn up. Huh. But it, it's not really joined up. They're taking money away from some of the other races later in the week. They've got, they've got races now on uh, later in the week at some of the art courses where the, the first prize is, is less than 2,800. I mean, that's going back to before I started training, they were racing for more than that for the, for the same grade of race you know
0: that's not a forward step okay so that again was Stuart williams uh who of course has entered horses for for wolverhampton sunday night because the money's there uh, and the races are super competitive as indeed were the races at newcastle on the flat yesterday um, yes yeah. <laughs> uh, lydia had a winner yesterday and quite a nice horse too um tell us more
1: um i am um, i am part of the horse Watchers syndicate not all of their horses obviously i don't have that much money um uh just a couple of them one is western with david o'mara and the other is penzance who won yesterday for mick appleby in a narrow finish at uh newcastle getting back up um and ali wallinson um it was a really exciting performance actually and now we might be heading for all weather the finals day i've already booked the hotel room
0: um uh, in Newcastle, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. Um, rather than just a, you, you booked out hotel in the Caribbean whilst <laughs> no, no, whilst no. he's running on all weather finals day.
1: No, 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 no. Me, Lydia. No, <laughs> no, 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 going to Newcastle.
0: Um. So uh, in a bizarre double, I also have a piece of a horse watcher's horse, but only one. Um, mm-hmm. and he managed to fall in at Catrick yesterday.
1: I know it was an amazing cross card double, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and he really did fall in as well, winning a, a chase at the eighteenth attempt. <laughs> um when chris and martin said to me go on you'll have a bit of a horse watch this horse i went on one condition it's not a jumper and i ended up, up with one of their only jump anyway there you go i love jump racing so i just yeah. know that the the, the the pitfalls are significantly greater anyway um our syndicate got about five grand yours got about 45 so that probably sums it all up
1: uh, I, I mean, Pennsants is a is a super horse. I mean, he's just in, improving all the time. He's absolutely lovely. I'm also looking forward to S coming back after he's he's had a little bit of a setback. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing him this year. Back to Stuart Williams, though. yes. So- and
0: and this Sunday night racing, which is an experiment, we're told at the moment, um, because there was a, a window identified to to generate significant betting turnover on a Sunday evening. That's what. Uh, the yeah. large betting companies had well, their data suggested to the bha so hence i'm these...
1: sure that's right i'm sure that's right i think it's a complete no-brainer um now there are increased costs to these fixtures and Stuart referred to them because there is there are some compensations in terms of scale of prize money um and payments to those who are having to work um, an extra evening in in the week um and travel and all, all of that uh, which are built into this now um my concern, being the old cynic that I am, is that you know once the concept is proven, gradually that extra prize money will leak out over time. But nonetheless, at the moment, it's that they are well remunerated fixtures that from a betting perspective are going to work. But obviously, from Stuart Williams' perspective, and he's articulated it r- really well, it, it puts extra pressure on on staffing and it just makes it more difficult. It's unrelenting. And he doesn't really have a choice about whether he runs sources there. I mean, it's all very easy for people to, to say from the outside, well, you know, you do just, if you don't want to take part, you don't have to. You don't have to run. It doesn't work like that. Owners want their trainers to find their best opportunity for that horse, and everybody who works for that trainer then therefore has to has to fall in. Um, and so it, it it does put pressure on on that model. And as Stuart says, racing already has a difficulty proving itself attractive to school leavers, and uh, people have got to be properly remunerated for their hard work.
0: Let's contrast the entry then, Lydia, between Wolverhampton Sunday evening, 34, 17, 25, 29, 37, 17, 45, with the entry for Plumpton, Premier fixture on Sunday, 12, 9, 13, 14, 17, 16, 19, but perhaps more worryingly, Sandown Saturday, a good long established fixture as well, but with Premier status now, 15, 10, 12, 13, 8, 18, 9, you do well to get one double figure field out of that little lot.
1: Well, and that follows through uh, uh, very small field sizes at Cheltenham on New Year's Day. When he was interviewed, Nevin Truesdale, the chief executive of Jockey Club Racecourses, Courses, sa- also said there is a horse problem when challenged by Ed Chamberlain. But he seemed to think that uh, by encouraging owners... Um, via um, broadening engagements, getting people to come racing uh, uh, and and bet, and then perhaps to to be part of a syndicate that you're going to be growing owners for the future, and that would solve the horse problem. Now, I, I think all of that is very good, very positive, massively support it. But you've got to come at it from the other end as well, because the horses are not there now. Why they're not there is probably a, a combination of of things. We're not breeding the right horses. Too many of the better horses perhaps are being trained in Ireland what happens to horses that from the from point to pointing do they get to rules racing in the way that they did previously is the pressure of uh, particularly staying horses uh, being taken to places like, like Australia exerting its influence and in general the pressure of A or weather racing and also very lucrative racing in the Middle East all of this together combined I would imagine is exerting a pressure on jump racing and on flat racing at the top end in Britain and unless you tackle that and there is nothing i keep saying it there is nothing in the industry strategy uh that that is the long-term plan that's needed to address this there is nothing there and there has to be because it's going to take at least 10 15 20 years to turn it around it is urgent whilst i support what's what, what neville nevin was saying about getting more owners you have to come at it from the other end at the same time because otherwise you get more owners and the horses aren't there
0: well, as you might imagine, very busy Christmas period for uh, jumps horses in the ownership of Chigley Park Stud. Lots to lots to talk to. Um, uh, there, Richard Thompson about Aloha, Envoy, Alan, Aplutar, Classic Getaway, Grange, Clare, Western, and, and more. Uh, Richard, where to start? Well, I guess I guess a, a great personal favourite, really, uh, Aplutar, the Gold Cup winner of a couple of years ago. He looked a, a, a pretty laboured at, at Leopardstown. Is there a plan for him going forward, or or, or do you think he's he's done enough?
6: I think, to be honest, Nick, absolutely. I mean, he turned ten obviously yesterday, and uh, you know, having spoken to H- Henry and Rachel about the performance, it was pretty lacklustre. I think, yeah, I think we're just considering now what to do. We're do not going to run him in the short term. Uh, I want to speak to Chris, obviously Richardson, when he gets back from holiday, and then uh, make a decision from there, basically. And uh, you know, but at the moment, we won't be running him in the short term. And. It, it feels that it feels though he might he might have done he might have done his time, but um, we won't we won't make that decision finally yet. But uh, he'd been a marvellous horse, and we wouldn't want to, as you say, having won the Cheltenham Gold Cup. It was disappointing. It was a shame to see the way he was labouring last week, and uh, you know no zest at all, and and, and that was uh, difficult to watch, and we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't want to watch that again.
0: Okay, Al-Aho, um ran well up to a point in the King George. Um, what was your feeling on on how well or otherwise he ran?
6: Um, I, I think, to be honest with you, yeah, you're right. He 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 wasn't able to control the race uh, like he had done the last few uh, the last few runs he'd had uh, in terms of the way he dictates in the front. Yeah, Froden went off. Um, the, fa- the 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 pace is pretty quick. Um, I think the performance was good rather than being no we were uh, were we disappointed no i don't think we're disappointed because i think he ran he ran a decent race but but i think it showed that he didn't quite stay i think it showed that obviously you know um I mean, he had won the Grade Two, as you know, in November, and we we were we were confident, or Willie was confident. He was pretty, he was he was match fit. But um, I think, look, at the end of the day, all roads point to the Ryanair for him, which obviously is two is as we know is a is, is, is his real distance. Is the distance that he obviously thrived thrived over. So the um, third of the King George, although he was favourite, maybe a tad disappointing. I, I wasn't really, I wasn't disappointed because he ran a decent race and. We know that the King George is a hell of a race to win and he's already won run us, run us four grade ones. We, we hoped to win, we didn't win. But, you know, uh, m- we move on. We move mm. on to Cheltenham.
0: <laughs> well, you do. Um, and you, you you did win with Grange Clare West very impressively in the Grade 1 uh, on the 29th at Neville Hotels at Leopardstown. You did win quite impressively with Sir Gerhard making his comeback over hurdles. And you were narrowly outpointed in the Savills New Year's Day at, at Tremor with, with Classic Getaway. Lots of fun plans, I'm sure, for all of them. Where do you think we might see Grange Clare West and Sir Gerhard pointing immediately?
6: Well, I think that obviously they could both run. You think at the Dublin uh, Festival uh, most probably, um, but certainly they would be heading towards Cheltenham. I would have thought Sir Gerhard in the Stairs Hurdle and Grange Clare in the in the Browns. Mm-hmm. That would be the Cheltenham um, uh, targets for both of the, for both of them. And and, and if, if there's a race to suit at the Dublin racing festival, then then they'd go there as well. Uh, but that would be down to Willie um, in terms of what he what what he thinks is suitable for them before Cheltenham. But they'd be their they'd be their Cheltenham targets.
0: Uh, and what about um, uh, Envoy Allen, who who couldn't take up his engagement in the in the Savills at Leperstown because the ground was too soft? Am I right in thinking it's the Kinloch-Bray at Thurless next for him?
6: Yeah, that would probably be the yeah that's been discussed and probably be the way forward for him, and and, and probably the Ryanair to to follow on from there. He won it last year. Allo won it the last two years before then. These these two horses have now just turned ten, so you'd think that it was both their you'd think that it'd be both their last performances at Cheltenham, and obviously if one of them won, that would be just fantastic to win the Ryanair again. But uh, yeah, that's 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 right, Nick.
0: And then Clap classic getaway did everything but win at tremor yesterday in an absolute uh bog um what's the what's the long-term plan
6: good question about him i mean obviously we were disappointed not to win that i think um but yeah as you say it, it, it just transpired that we didn't we didn't win that and uh, he still ran a decent race i think i yeah, haven't discussed his next his next plan with with as yet, uh, you know, you, you'd be hoping they'd be competing at the highest level um, in due course. But I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where he'd, where he where he go next. To be honest with you, at this, at this point,
0: Chibli Park stars Richard Thompson. Quite a lot of good stuff and one or two disappointments. And I suppose the key news point there is that Aplutar looks likely to have run his last race, even if he's not firmly committing to it.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. It looked a a real effort. I mean, he's always adjusted right, uh, but he was labouring in that direction around the Savile's chase. And, uh, you know, it it was a difficult watch and you wouldn't want to watch it again. So I, I completely understand where Richard is coming from. And it's great to hear. I mean, obviously, you know, with Chiefly Park that they've got they were able to retire their their warriors of the past and we just need to remember him and how brilliant he was second in one gold cup won it the the, the following year and he was utterly dominant at that point also put up a, a a superb performance when winning the betfair chase he was a very very talented horse i was interested by his comments in on alaho alaho has now of course ended up the de facto favorite for the ryanair a race that he has won twice in 2021 and 2022 with that dominant uh pummeling uh, performance display of jumping and uh, and galloping which as Richard said he wasn't able to put up in the King George and the pace wasn't strong in the King George anybody who was looking at the at the timings on the ITV screen top left and comparing it with il est Francais, if, if the pace was strong in the King George then il Français has got you know su- is supersonic
0: and of course the reason that Alaho's de facto favorite for the Ryanair one of the reasons is because stage star, had one of his off days yesterday at Cheltenham. I thought it was obvious from a pretty early stage of the race, just the way he was carrying his head and the way he was going, that it might be a bit of an off day.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And he is, he is, he has done that in the past. uh, And wisely, um, Harry Cobden um, pulled him up as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's the kind of horse that you suspect should bounce back. Um, But yeah, uh, it, I, I can't, I can't have, I mean, I thought Alaho was bad value at 72. He's now five to two best for the race after that muted performance in the King George. Yeah. It looks a race up for grabs. Mm,
0: there's a bet there. Somebody, if somebody can find it, then just do let us know at Lydia Hislop or at Nick Luck. And we'll try not to share it with everybody else. Um, let's talk about Bob Ollinger, who Robbie Power on this podcast a few weeks ago, I said, do you really think he's back? You know, getting past Anna here, big deal. And he went, Oh, he's definitely back. I didn't believe him. I should have believed him. He is back.
1: I didn't believe him either. Um, like you, I felt the same way about beating Xana here. But here he was really, really good. He had to muscle his way through on the stand side rail. He uh, jumped the last well. Now he did do his trick, um, which is now habitual of holding his head slightly weird and uh, wanting to hang left. But he went forward the whole time for Rachel Blackmore, and it was a very dominant defeat of Marys Rock, who wouldn't have been suited by the race setup. Admit- admittedly, she'd want she'd want more cover, and she she probably doesn't like heavy ground either, uh, but. Yes, Bob Ollinger is definitely back. What do they do, though? What do they do? Rob Corr have got Irish Point, who won the Christmas hurdle at Leopardstown over the, the festive period. They've also got Chihupu, who was um, an unlucky third in the race last year and has won the Hattons Grace again. Um, mm, are they like going to save him for the entry hurdle?
0: High-class problems for the Rob Corps team. You heard momentarily from Emma Lavelle at the beginning of the program. I really rang her to talk about Paisley Park and her entry this weekend. Darasha counter in the veterans final. I began by asking her whether she was tearing her hair out because of the rain, which would not be suitable for him.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's so it is it is depressing just at the minute with the the amount of of rain coming down. And um, you know certainly for Darashia Counter, he's a horse that you know his his best form is on nicer ground. He has got form on softer ground, but to see him at his best, he definitely would. Uh, if the taps could be turned off and the sun turned sun turned on, I think we'd all be a bit happier.
0: And you got him qualified at Chepstow, and then you you changed the headgear a little bit, and it seemed to it seemed to work. at, at last time he ran a much better race.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We were chuffed to bits with him at, at Sandown on his latest. I mean, jumping has always been a, a you know big bonus for him. He's a, he's a, a lovely jumper, um, but he was at Chepstow almost just taking too much time in the air and um, and just taking too long over his fences. We put the cheek pieces on. Um, Just to sharpen him up a bit, and um, and it really did have the desired effect. He jumped well, travelled well, and 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 loved every minute of it. Um, And he and you know really battled all the way up the up the run in. Um, He's um, he's in very good form at home. Cheek pieces would stay on, but as I say, you know, I just for him to have his best chance, the the weather does need to take a, a turn for the better.
0: What you, what are you thinking with with Paisley Park at the moment? That, that, another brilliant run in defeat, as you say, the other day, albeit slightly heartbreaking. Uh, do you want to do you want to go to the Cleave at the end of the month or not?
3: Yeah, I think that's the that's the most sensible route to go. Um, the reality is, you know, every day there's a, a new horse being put up as a horse that's going to be entered in the stairs. and and there's no doubt that that is going to be um you know, by the time we get there, uh, you know, it a very competitive race on on uh, you know on paper and in reality. So I think um, you know, he's been running so well this season. I think the truth is for us to have a genuine chance of of winning something within this year, I think the cleave is gonna be more likely than the stayers. Um, now, you know, I've said all along, we'll take it race by race. And I think um we'll the plan is to head to the Cleve. And if he goes and runs a, a you know a great race in that, we'll then you know we'll we'll give him another chance to run in the Stayers because he hasn't got many other places to go. Um, but, um, you know, I think I think in reality, you know, to say, oh, well, let's keep him fresh and go straight to the stairs when he's just turned 12 doesn't really make sense. You know, I think we take it race by race and the cleave is the next race.
0: It'd be quite something, wouldn't it, to turn up in your sixth consecutive stairs hurdle?
3: Oh my God, unbelievable. I, mean, I was saying, Barry and I were talking about him this morning and, you know, he's just turned 12. Barry's been riding him for nine years. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is a, he is an extraordinary horse and to have competed at the level that he's competed at and, and be successful and competitive is just a, a, unbelievable.
0: Emma Lavelle there with news of Derasha Counter and Paisley Park, two evergreen 12-year-olds still flying the flag for her stable. All right, so it is Tuesday, in case you'd forgotten what day of the week it is. Tuesday, January the 2nd, and that means we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's. And nearly all the stallions that will be en route of the Irish Thoroughbred Marketing Irish Stallion Trail are featured either in the Weatherby's Stallion book or the Global Stallion app or the nhstallions.co.uk resource or perhaps all three. Uh, to tell us a bit more about the Irish Stallion Trail, I'm joined today by Alex Cairns, who's the marketing executive at Irish Thoroughbred Marketing. Alex, this is a bit of a milestone this year. Just just tell us why.
7: Yes, it is indeed, Nick. So uh, this is, in fact, the 10th edition of the ITM Irish Stallion Trail. So, the event is like a national showcase for thoroughbred breeding in Ireland. And uh, during the trail, over 35 farms, in fact, a record 37 this year, uh, will be opening their doors to visitors. So, we'll have thousands of visitors from Ireland and further afield. Uh, and it'll be a huge variety of people turning out as well, which is great. Um, so, it'll be breeders, obviously, be going out to see stallions on these stallion farms. They can view them in an efficient manner, in a convivial atmosphere with like minded people. Uh, ahead of the covering season so that's very practical from uh, their point of view um but also racing fans members of the public uh for example young people getting into the sport it's also a great opportunity to get up close to these uh, great champions of the game deepen their interest and learn more about the irish thoroughbred
0: breeding yeah because there will be a lot of people who think this is just for people who breed racehorses not so this is really a a wonderful opportunity for anybody who's got any interest in the sport to to get behind the gates of some of the, the leading establishments in in world bloodstock.
7: Yes, indeed. So we all know how important it is to spread the message about all the great things that go on in racing beyond just uh, what we may see on the track and horses going past the windpost. There's a whole industry behind us. And a lot of activity goes on from uh, the day that horses uh, um, are planned for their breeding and then also through when they're born and then through their younger years on the farms and so on. So a lot of this is tied back to the farms um, and it's tied back to the to the stallions that we have uh, uh, doing their thing. So, yeah, it's it's got a broad interest base, I suppose. It does really have a practical purpose for breeders uh, and there will be nominations sold during the trail. But it does have a broader base message as well and racing fans, younger people really enjoy it too.
0: And how many people do you normally expect on, on each of the two days or both do people generally participate in the in the whole thing? So
7: yes, yeah, the two days it's the twelfth and thirteenth of January, and across the two days we expect probably over five thousand people to be turning out at these various farms. It's hard to put a number on it exactly because it's a free event, in fact. Uh, And people are able just to turn up at the farms uh, during the opening hours that are advertised on the ITM website, itm.ae slash stallion trail. So people can just go in there and register and see the full list of farms uh, that are participating. It is compulsory, in fact, to uh, register to go to Coolmore Stud uh, just because they get such a high volume of people uh, turning up. But, uh, yeah, there'll be a huge turnout, I think, and a huge variety of people, and people from Ireland, Britain, further afield, uh, coming across to uh, see Ireland's amazing stylings.
0: Yeah, it's a perfect time of the year as well, because let's face it, 12th and 13th of January, there, there might be a... a, a a, a, a pretty dark time for most people, so uh, it's a, a perfect opportunity to uh, put a little light in your life by going and seeing some of these uh, see these stallions. Um, some of the farms participating in the trail: Bally Lynch, Boardsmill, Castle Hyde, Coolmore, Derrinstown, Irish National Stud, Kildangan, Rathasker, Rathbarry, and Glenview, and Yeomanstown. You, you've covered all the big ones.
7: Yes, indeed. So it is a record: thirty-seven farms participating this year, and it covers everything from the sports biggest global operations to smaller family-run farms and we encourage people to get around to all uh the farms that they can uh the ones that may be a little bit more off the beaten track uh, for example but of course we have some huge names in there uh like you're mentioning too and Irish really have been delivering uh, so our style group of flat winners in 10 countries in 2023 so think of Romantic Warrior by Acclamation, Blue Rose Sand by Churchill, Big Ez by Blue Point, for example. And then in uh, the National Hunt Sphere, winners at all the big uh, National Hunt festivals, so Constitution Hill by Blue Brazil, Shishkin by Sharlakov, Facio Vega by Walk in the Park, and we could go on for a long time on those. So um, there are options really for every mayor and every budget, uh, and we're offered a quality and a quantity of winners. So People just have to come across and uh, see these uh, stallions in the flesh. Take their pick if they're a breeder uh, ahead of the covering season, and if they're just a, a racing fan or someone learning to to looking to learn more, then uh, please come along too.
0: Yeah. So 12th and 13th of January, and just remind us of the uh, of the website again.
7: Yes, so the website is itm.ie slash stallion trail. It is a completely free event. Uh, People just need to take a look at the opening hours that are uh, posted there on the website. They can register there on the website just so the farms get an idea of how many people are going to be turning up. Uh, And then they can go ahead, plan their itinerary and head out on the Ultimate Racing Road Trip.
0: All right, thanks to Alex, to all my guests on a busy show today. Lydia is still with me. Lydia, before I get your tip, 20 entries for the Cheltenham Gold Cup are as follows. Ahoy Senor, Brave Man's Game, Conflated, Corak Rambler, That's All Right, Gino, voile, Allen, Fast or Slow, Galapandé, Sean, the defending champion, Gentleman's Game, Jerry Colombe, Huick, the King George winner, Jungle Boogie, L'Homme Presse, <laughs> uh, Monkfish, I'm told by the way that Monkfish is fine uh, yeah. by Connections this morning.
1: Yeah, his mum sends a sick note again, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he see it's yeah.
0: yeah, Nassalam, Uh, which is the interesting one, I suppose, the Welsh national winner up to 161 today. They had
1: to, they had to, didn't they, after that wide margin win?
0: I think so. I, I estimated a stone, so I reckon they got away with 12. Protectorat, Royal Pagai, Shishkin, Stay Away Faye,
1: yeah, well, well, we talked about that earlier in the, the season. We certainly did on Road to Cheltenham. Yeah, absolutely. There. The connections of Stay, of stay Away Fay, the owners, uh, believe that he won't be suited by the, the title course and the Brown advisory. They wanted to give themselves the option of the more galloping new course, and so he'd get a Gold Cup entry, and there it is. Mm.
0: And the real whacker, for whom they were entertaining Gold Cup um, notions last year, but instead went to the novice race. Maybe they should have run him in the Gold Cup last year anyway. Whatever. Um, those are the 20, and it won't surprise you not to see Alaho or Apluta in that list, given what Richard Thompson told you earlier. And Lydia has a tip for you for today.
1: I do. I am going to air for their 215, and I'm siding with the mayor, Orbis Walk, who already looks like an improved prospect over fences. She won on her debut at air. She is. A price because uh Balikus of Stuart Crawford's is expected, according to the market, to make a winning chase debut. But I, I really liked the the opening performance of Olbis Walk, and I'm going to stick with her for Sean Quinn and Nicky Richards. And that is in the 215 is there today.
0: Lydia, thank you very much. That was Tuesday, January the second, the day when we announced that Peter Savile, for it is he, has re-entered the fray. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. <music>